Welcome to Productivity Mastery. Stoy here, a productivity and performance coach on a mission to help businesses and people get the most out of their time. On this podcast, I'll bring you exceptional performers and together unlock what it takes to perform at your highest level. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy this episode. So ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Coffee and Productivity, the show in which we drink coffee, sometimes tea, and we talk about different topics connected to productivity. Today, I'm privileged and honored to have uh, here with me somebody I'm I'm honored to, to call my friend, somebody exceptional with his mindset, his approach, but uh, also his life story, his background. This gentleman is, uh, is an author of... Uh, of a number of best-selling books, most recently, Forgive Me Sister, which is about uh, feminine energy. And he's just finishing a book about talent attraction in times of pandemic and digitization. He's also a world Guinness record holder. He's been traveling to more than 130 countries uh, after he sold his supercar, which we will talk about. And I mean, he's an exceptional person. And I think the most amazing thing at least what i find in him is his ability to to really see people to really find those things that make people special and 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 to vocalize them so patrick fantastic to have you brother how are you today you're so kind stoyan it's always an honor to be on here and talk with you, whatever, whether we're in a, a pub in Copenhagen or we're sort of broadcasting from across the globe to wherever we are. So it's always an honor. And thank you for your kind compliments. Patrick, um, I'm sure some people are already kind of, uh, you know, interested to hear about your story. Why don't you tell us about, you know, your story from being this Irish kid at uh, 16 years old? And how did you did you get into a place to owning a Porsche? Yeah. And afterwards, what happens, right? Yeah. It, so basically, when I was 16 years old, I came to the realization that the biggest problem in our society, what where I grew up, wasn't the bombings and the shootings, but it was this victim mentality which people had. And what I mean by that is people blamed uh, the British, the Protestants, the bombs, the rain. They'd blame anything else but sort of take responsibility for themselves. So when I was 16, I says, I will never be a victim of anything. I says, everything that goes wrong in my life, I'm going to take the blame. It's on me. I says, everything that goes right, I'm going to take the credit because things must even up. I can't, it, it must be fair and in equilibrium. As a result of that, I decided that I wanted more from life. I was going to take the credit for whatever I could achieve. So what did I want to achieve? And I simply asked myself two very, very basic questions. The first question was, if I could have or do any three things in the world, what would they be? And obviously, as a 16-year-old boy living in Northern Ireland, the most important thing that I wanted out of all the world was to have season tickets at Old Trafford watching Manchester United. The second thing was to have a Porsche before I was 30. And the third thing was to travel all the world. Now, to be honest, I had seen more car bombs than sports cars. It was the type of area I grew up in. It was quite a, it was quite a troubled time in, in, in my community at that time, and, and, and still is to some extent. Um, but it was the second question, actually, which, which actually guided me towards it, because I then asked myself, okay, 
what do I need to do to achieve these things? And, and my biggest problem wasn't the fact that there was no sports cars around or anything like that. My biggest problem was I wasn't good at anything. Like no one ever picked me out or it, it thought I would shine in a particular direction. So I had to ask myself the question, what, what am I okay at? Like what, what, am I, what do I even like to anything? And it turned out that there was one thing at school that I was sort of okay at where I didn't have to really put too much focus on. And that was um, mathematics. So I thought the best I could do with that is become an accountant. But of course, I didn't know any accountants or have anyone to guide me in that way. So what I did is I, I simply says, well, I'm going to aim for that. And I set myself three very simple goals. First one is come top of the class in school by the time I'm 18. Try to become the first person from my area to go to university. And then the third one was go to Dublin or Belfast to become a chartered accountant. Because I thought, those guys deal with money. They must be all rich. So therefore, that will lead me to getting a Porsche and whatever else. And um, so let's, I was 16 when that happened. Go forward 10 years. I'm 26 years old. And I've just have come top of the class in school. I went to university. I got two degrees. And I have just qualified as a chartered accountant with, with Grant Thornton's in Dublin. So I actually achieved all those goals. And every Friday night, I would leave the office, uh, get the bus to the airport and fly to Manchester. I had two season tickets at Old Trafford. When I was 27, I was working there for PricewaterhouseCoopers to become a tax lawyer. And I would leave the office on a Friday night, jump into my Porsche, drive to the airport, go to Manchester for the weekend. And when I was 28 in May 2007... I sold everything I had, including my Porsche and all the nice toys I thought I needed at that time. And I went out to sort of meet the weird and wonderful people across this beautiful world of ours. And as a result, I was able to um, get my true education. And your true education comes from from meeting people like you in a bar in Copenhagen. Amazing, man. Super inspiring. Those of you who are tuning in right now, uh, make sure to let us know where are you are you watching us from firstly so just let us know where you guys where did you meet patrick or myself and um and secondly ask a question patrick is here he's there for you he would like to answer all your questions today's topic is talent attraction in times of pandemic but again if you have any other question that's why we're drinking coffee and talk about productivity right <laughs> So, yes, amazing, Patrick. It is super, super inspiring. And I think my first question is connected to the, the whole thing about talent. Is it's is such a such a topic, man? Like, I meet so many people who come to me and say, "I don't know what I'm talented about." You know, like I love what you said about I wasn't necessarily really, really good at anything and i think people many people are struggling with that like i'm not world-class at anything yeah. how should i pick um so how did you find how did you yourself find what really you would like to to to, to focus on what, where your real talent is so so there's two ways to be successful the obvious one is to become the best in the world at one thing you know, really, really go against the, you know, the, the others out there and say that this is it. I'm really going to poke my head above the water. And then there's another way, which is actually quite more simple. And it's realizing what you're, the, what you're in the top 25% in the world at across three areas and then packaging them together 
I believe one of those has to be communication in our modern world. And then let's say you're good at painting and social media. Then what can you do with that to, to sort of create something for yourself? And, and obviously, if you have got four or five things that you, which you're in the top 25 best off in the world, 25%. And, and the thing is, one of them has to be speaking English. Like if you look at you, Stoyan, you're, you're number one, a great communicator in multiple languages. Like you're already straight away in probably the top one or 2% from as a communicator, because you can communicate with so many people from so many different regions in their own language. On top of that, then you're um, really good at dealing with people and, and organizing people and getting people to buy into your visions. So there's two. So what do you do? What, what's the next one? And then uh, you can actually, if, if you think about it, you've either very strategically done this or you've done it subconsciously in your mind going, what can I do? Because the, everyone who has set up something has actually went through this process, either they've done it very specifically or not. And that's where they get to becoming um, leaders in a certain field. And, and if, you, if you look at someone like uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, he, he probably is the best player in the world now. But also at the same time, he wasn't a few years ago. So he looked at what his strengths were. He was fast and he was this and he was that. And he actually worked on those. And then he, he actually got himself together such a package that he became probably the best player in the world. So by putting your top 25% things together, you can come up with quite a good package, which may lead you to be the best in one of those things. But it's actually based on a, an array of uh, talents which you actually naturally possess. Patrick, what you're saying so much resonates with me and for me, the biggest transformation in terms of really finding my focus and my purpose has been, weirdly, I watched the video. Do you know this guy, Chase Jarvis? No. He's a photographer. He's a YouTuber. He's doing a lot of cool things. He's the CEO of this company, Creative Life. And I just randomly watched the video where he's speaking to a photographer that he met five years before this video. And this other photographer was like, it was the biggest game changer for me. I met Chase five years ago and he told me, dude, you have great photos, but there's thousands of people that have can do the same photos. What is the one thing that makes you world-class? You need to find what it is and you need to amplify it and you need to focus. And the guy went home and he was like, what do I do? Yeah. You know, I'm not world-class at anything. You know, I, like I'm not the best photographer. I'm not the best editor. Wait a second. What if I what if I see myself as a package of skills, exactly. strengths, passions, things that you know really make me happy, resources? You know, I'm from Eastern Europe. I know Eastern Europeans. I know how to deal with things and that. And you know, what are all the things that make you unique? So instead of this is the one thing, and you see it as a package. And, and I, I watched this video and I was like, you know, I've been chasing, I think it was 25 or something. And I was like, I've been chasing always to be the, you know, I, I did my master's in finance. So I got to be a finance guy. Right. And then, and then after this, it was this like epiphany and it was like, dude, and you shared some of those things. Right. I mean, I love to talk to people, you know, I, I love numbers and structure. So I can use that. Um, exactly. but, but then again, you know, it's a combination, man. So those of you who are watching, maybe, maybe, you know, take take a piece of paper, 
get a nice cup of coffee later this afternoon and maybe in the weekend. And it's actually the perfect time these days to stay more time home and try to reflect what are all those resources? What is what is this package that makes you unique and there's nobody else like you? Yeah. Right? So Yeah, it's a really it's a really strong point. And um, it, it's it's funny because even though you pick up various skill sets along the way, like I'm an, I'm, a, I'm an accountant, I've done tax law, I've done, you know, all these things. Even though I don't work in those specifically today, I'm not giving financial advice per se. Those were all part of the foundations what enabled me to become the man I am. So when I look back, I can see, oh, if I hadn't done that, I wouldn't be this. Even though I'm not that today, I'm, I'm something else today. And... Um, I think that people should continue on their path, but they should ask themselves the questions, you know, what, what, where does this lead to and be open to taking those conversations, which may lead them to a new field from which they're in today. Because I, I realized in 2006 that PricewaterhouseCoopers charged it out a very young Patrick Walsh at 300 euros an hour multiplied by 3000 people in the firm was not sustainable. Sooner or later, I thought a computer would do the job. Now if a mobile phone does the job. You know, a lot of this sort of standard tax work and stuff like that. So if, if you're staying static, you're going to get taken over eventually. I'm actually curious to ask you now, how much did it, did it shape you and mold you? All these adventures and trips and meeting, you know, weird and exceptional people, as, as you say, how, how much did it give you a different sense of perspective, all these conversations, interactions, and experiences that you've had? Everything, everything comes from that. Um, so I've graduated, I've, I've graduated seven times. I've been, in reality, I've been conferred for, so you get, you graduate out of something, so that you, you leave university, but you get conferred into something. So I'm a member of four professions and I've got three degrees. But my true education comes from what the, what the real meaning of the word means, which means to flyer the mind. So my true education came from going to Bulgaria, going to Botswana and going to Brazil and meeting the people of those regions in their own area and, and trying to communicate with them uh, as this sunburned pink Irish boy who can hardly speak English, tr trying to get communication across. And, and, and succeeding because only 7% of communication is verbal. 93% is nonverbal. It's the cues, it's the body language, it's the frequency that you're resonating at and why, and therefore where people will let you enter their village and bring you in for dinner and communicate with you and build up relationships which can last for the rest of your life. And it's on that point and it leads, leads us back around to the loop of what you said. I actually, as I says, I'm not that talented in any way. No one ever picks me out as a talented guy. And I had to actually ask that question of myself because I always think about it as the Babe Ruth formula. You know that Babe Ruth had the, like the most home runs of his time by far, but he also had the most strikeouts. So when he missed the most balls, so if he hit it, it was a home run. But if it, most of the time, he was just going to miss it because he was just slapping the thing. And actually, I have got that paradox as well because the I just said to you, one of the big things is to be a communicator in this world and coming with this accent and this attitude and all that I am, it's actually not really that conducive to efficient and effective communication. Yet the paradox is that 
it's the thing that I get complimented the most on is my accent and how I talk and my weird energy and how I am. So I thought, okay, I've got, a, let's say it's 50, 50. I've got a, I've got an audience of 3 billion because the all 3 billion won't understand what I say. So they're not going to tune back in anyway, and they're not going to read my books and they're not going to get the energy and all that. And I thought that's not a bad audience to start from. So if I can get a fraction of a percent of that 3 billion, to listen to my talking talent podcast, to read my books, to you know, b- come and see me when I'm on stage. It's it's not a bad one. It's not bad actually. And again, it's one of my top things. It was so communic- my communication, despite it being one of my worst uh, characteristics, is actually one of the things that people like the best about me. So I went with it. Now I'm on podcasts and I'm on TV and radio stations and stage and all that. Crazy as that sounds. I think it's like the Babe Ruth paradox. Don't know where I'm getting that from, but I I love what you're saying, man. I gotta say, the first time I saw you, I thought you were weird. Like, like it just came, and we had this common friend, uh, Gali Tario. The, she's an exceptional, uh, you know, interactive experiences professional. And we were in Copenhagen, and I see this smiling, happy guy with a pink T-shirt, and I'm like, "Hey, man!" And then the first words you were like. I love you, brother. And then you hug me. <laughs> I'm like this, this that weird guy, you know. Was I wearing pink then as well? <laughs> yeah, you were wearing pink. Yeah, I always wear pink around you. What? You hug me, and I'm like, and you, you don't, you kind of hold on for five, ten seconds. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> but then, but then we started hitting it. You know, we started talking about different topics, and and I, you know, I, I still remember. I think the second day of the festival. Um, we were just walking. You started speaking to a homeless person and just asking how he feels, and um, you know, just having a really cool conversation with a stranger homeless person. And it was so inspiring, man, because you you went and you you showed this person how important he is, just by pointing out a few things that you you liked about this person. I think probably made his day, man. So that was that was amazing. So um, anyway, um, we have a couple of questions, so I'm gonna go there. First question is, can I just say this? Yes. It's so important to see people. It's, I think everything comes down to seeing the human being and seeing them who they are, not, not what they're telling you, because what people are telling you and what they're saying is two different things. The message is under what they're saying. So if I, if I, go to, if I walk into you and say, mate, I, I, brought a, I bought a 2020 Range Rover last week, I'm not talking about cars. I'm talking about success. And it's understanding that. And seeing what people are, so either, whether they're on the street or whether they're the janitor or whether they're the CEO, see them because they all have the same pain. They're just, it's just, uh, they're different stages of where their pain is and they're dealing with it differently. And if you see the pain of people, you will always be sympathetic towards them. And they all have it. How, how can you practice that though? How can you practice seeing people? What, what, what is your intuitive reaction when when you see somebody um i i think i think so it's it's not that it's intuitive it's all people are good but good people can do bad things when they're stressed and the best example i have is if you go to the worst jail in your country and you get the roughest person from that jail who everyone's afraid of and then you see him at at the meeting room with his four-year-old daughter He's the softest guy in the world. He's running around on the floor, probably crawling about with his daughter. And he's a, so everyone has got love and kindness in them. But the warders can stress people and push them into things like drugs, alcohol, crime, theft, being nasty to you know each other. 
and it's not necessary, but that's their, 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 fate, their response mechanism to the world that they're in. And it's probably a world that they were born into and nothing is permanent. So trying to see the good in the people is actually what I try to do. And I, because they all have it. I mean, some of the, some of the people I'm friends with don't have many friends because they're wild, but I see the good in them and I don't judge them for what they've done in the past or what they're probably going to do tomorrow. But I, but you know, common sense, keep your eye on them, but also don't judge them too hard because they, they could be some of the people who are on stage doing the greatest things and inspiring people the most have had the worst pasts. And if you looked into the life of some of these Hollywood stars and the people that are held up as, you know, great people, the reason why they're on stage and the reason they're grinding so hard is because they're, they're so dogged behind it because they had to be. Yeah, I love it, man. I, I think just the simple realization that everybody has their own baggage and their own story and you cannot judge people, but if you intuitively focus on what is something good about this person that I can point out and, you know, just focus on this, emphasize on this, it, it creates a chain reaction. Yeah. So um, anyway, let's, use, let's get... If you use that as your starting point, but at the same time, don't be a fool. I, I have another rule where I say, don't mistake my kindness for weakness. So I, I'm very harsh as well. I, I will be nice and nice and nice until, sorry, I'm not nice. I'm kind. I'm kind and kind and kind. I never be nice because being nice is exhausting. Being nice, I don't know what that's about. Like, don't be nice. Just be kind to people. It, it's, it's a lot easier and it's in your heart. But as soon as someone mistakes my kindness for weakness, I cut them out. They're dead to me. Because if I've been kind to you and you've, and you've thought that I was being weak, then, I mean, what type of, you need, you need to go fix shit. And you're not going to fix it around me. I agree, man. Setting clear boundaries, and that's that's really important. Okay, question from Yeva. <laughs> Hello, Yeva. Uh, hey, Yeva. Based in Riga. Good to see you. I cannot feature a question here, but I'm going to read it. Hi, I'm Yeva from Latvia. What do you think of talent? Is it gained or born with? Could it be developed by willpower, or maybe the genes have to do with it? I think, I think every, I think anyone can become anything they want to be. Actually, I think if you're willing to put in the work, you can become it. I mean, there's been small, small white ginger men who have been uh, MVP in the NBA, you know, from Canada even. So they worked hard and they got there. But I, I think that the thing that you're supposed to do is the thing that comes most naturally to you, and you shouldn't be working too hard against the flow. If you're if you're putting in such a hard work to it. Maybe it shouldn't be the thing that you're trying to do. It may be cool at the moment. Like I couldn't, like being a coder is cool at the moment because it pays a lot of money, but that's got such a short lifespan because it's a very specific type of person that you're dealing with. And it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a skill set in a new, it's like the gold rush. The people, the people who made money in the gold rush weren't the people digging. It's the people who sold the pickaxes and the shovels, you know? And at the moment, a, it's cool that everyone's looking at the people who are digging the gold to the coders, but the people who's, who's making the money are the people who's, who's planting the ideas and giving them something to work towards. So it's, it's, I always try to say to people, the thing that you're good at, like, like the thing that you'll make money from and shine brightest at is the thing that comes naturally to you. And, and just try and polish that. I, I, I don't believe in...
you still hear me? Yes, yes, you broke a little bit, but but yeah. you're back. I just want to actually add on top of what you're saying. I I I believe any anything can be developed, but I I actually think, as you said, there are some certain things that come more natural to me. Like, look, I've been playing. I've been a football player, right? I, I'm also a fan of Man United, so that's something we share, right? But yes. uh, I would play my ass off. I was playing day and night, and I was I was hustling so much harder than you know, some of the other players. But again, you know, there, there are certain things that you're better at. There are some things that you're not so good at. You can you can become a, you know, if I want to be the best of the best, if I want to be Messi or Cristiano Ronaldo, I think I will still have some boundaries specifically, you know, to, to the level I can go to. I, I wouldn't say I wouldn't be a professional player if I, if I go all in, but I, I will have some boundaries in some certain area. I know where I'm stronger, you know. The implementation. True, true. And you can argue you can argue this is limiting beliefs, but I I don't know if it's connected to your willingness and desire to go win, but 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 I also win, man. Like with this specific thing, for example. But then again, I, I think there are certain things that two, three, four, five things that it comes so natural to you. And if you really craft those things, if you focus on the things that you're really, really exceptional, it comes natural for you. And I mean, I'm never going to be a good coder. I got to tell you that. I mean, no. I, I won't be. And that's the thing, you know, like this, this uh, subtle thing to you can develop anything. I, I can be a better coder if I if I work every day. I'll be a better coder. I'm never going to be the best coder. You know what I mean? So I think that's. Uh, and I don't Sorry. see it as I don't see for me. I, I if I wanted to make short money over the next five to ten years, I would definitely go down that path. But I would not enjoy it, and I wouldn't enjoy my daily work. That's the thing. It's it for some people that's a great job, and it really aligns with their values and who they are as a human, and how they like to work. For me, it's not how I like to work. So it would it would be something that like becoming an accountant. It was something I would go into just to get through it to get this to get to another elevated space. I'm smiling because uh, I got a comment uh, from somebody that you know. That's Maria. my beautiful aunt, Maria. I love her. That's <laughs> Fantastic, a beautiful hearing. Woman. Fantastic hearing my nephew Patrick on your show. Say hello from his auntie Maria in London. That really helped me a lot. If you want to meet a charming lady who can light up a room, that's her right there. I mean, look at the picture. Like, look at look at that smile. Yeah. How, how wouldn't you? Thank you, More Maria. <laughs> She has a follow-up uh, comment. Ask Patrick how is he hope, coping in lockdown. We miss him. Big hugs, darling. Well, because I live in Stockholm, we don't have a lockdown, so we've just had freedom as well. And um, it's been... I, I'm so happy that we're here because the Swedish people are very respectful of the pandemic and they're very much self-isolating where possible and although it may look weird in the in the media and things and some photographs can be sort of misleading for the most part people have been super respectful and the tunnel van is i mean it's i get a seat on it every day since i've moved here there's no such thing as standing in the train and if you stand you might stand for one stop for example so the city is the city has already been so well developed and so well designed that um even by just taking out 50 percent of those people you've even got like a four seats for yourself as opposed to one so I'm so I'm so happy I'm here and I'm so happy we're not going through that sort of mental prison that is uh, people being forced to lock lock down and, and stay in a, in a static location because I believe 
humans were designed to move. The two things humans are good at is covering distance and throwing. And um, whenever I see people being so static that um, I, I believe there's going to be the big problem is going to come from this lockdown isn't so much the, the, the virus which is going around. I think there's going to be a lot of mental sickness, a lot of alcoholism, a lot of um, drug abuse, divorce. And, it, and it's all problems which comes from, as I said earlier, people being stressed and squeezed into a small box. Um, this motion creates emotion. And emotion is happiness and kindness and all the beautiful things that comes out of it. And being static, I think, is, is like rotting water. When you have water which flows, it gives, gives life. But when you have water, it sits still, it becomes a swamp, and it'll poison and kill you. So when I look around the world and see people sitting there, it's like we are water. Their bodies is like a swamp as opposed to being a stream. Yeah, I remember you had something. How did you say it? Uh, demons don't go where there's motion. How, how was that? Demons dislike motion. Demons dislike motion. And it's true. You think of all alcohol sales are up 600% in some areas. People are sitting still. When people get a chance to move, they can, they can flush out a lot of the negativity which is in them and the demons the demons don't like it. But when you sit still for long enough, your demons will, cre will, will creep up on you and, and, and embed themselves deep in your core. So it's why I run marathons and stuff like that. It's, it's the fitness, obviously, but it's also just the health. It's the mental health, the spiritual health. You know, running for me is meditation. You just sort of get lost after a while. You could, I could run four or five hours nonstop at a marathon and just enjoy it. Eric, I actually want to go a little bit uh, into a different topic, um, which is um, about the talent attraction and, you know, those people who are watching right now, imagine business leaders, it's a lot of uncertainty, it's a lot of, uh, you know, transformation, transition, call it whatever, uh, and obviously there's also a lot of movement in terms of talent. So uh, you are which is pretty exceptional, by the way. You, I saw a post on Facebook uh, with you holding a copy of your book that you wrote uh, during the quarantine, so to say. So what is, uh, what is it, uh, you know, the core topic of your new book, which is about talent attraction in times of pandemic and um, digitization? What, is the, what are the core messages that you would like to, to convey to the world? We're living in a world at the moment where we have an, a rapidly increasing population, yet at the same time, we have a rapidly decreasing access to talent, as, I, as ironic as that sounds. More as the, as, the, as the world's population and the more people graduate gets higher, we have less people to do the modern jobs because people are in a, we're in a position now where um, people are coming up with very generic qualifications, which do not solve the problems that we have in our world today. So I live in Sweden and we're very competitive here in regards to what is the next global mega trend that needs to be solved. Let's solve it. Let's fix that one. Let's go after it. Whether it's, whether it's the new inventing a pacemaker for people with heart disease, or if it's the new streaming app for people who need to listen to music and stuff on the go for free, but you know, or, or pay for a premium version. The Swedes are very good at looking at what is the problem and then fixing that problem as a, as a regard. The result of that is the number one problem that CEOs have been talking about since 2015 is lack of access to talent. 
there's you know you meet these people around the world all the time people are so beige mostly most people are not focused they're complaining about whatever is going on but there's so few people who are driven and we have actually got a there's actually a thing called prices law and prices law states that 50 percent of all productivity is the square root of the number of people in your team so if you have 25 people in your team five people are responsible for 50 percent of productivity However, if you've got 10,000 people in your team, 100 people are responsible for 50% of the productivity. Okay. No. And, and so it, it, becomes, it becomes more and more um, focused because no one wants to be the smartest person in the room. People want to work in clusters and smart people want to work with other smart people. So this is why you get uh, large companies um, going from billion dollar valuations to nothing within a few years, because once you start losing those core people who are responsible for most of your productivity, everything spirals down so quick. And this is so now whenever um, teams are look, whenever organizations are looking to where they're going to place their headquarters, the first item on the agenda is where can we get access to talent? Because otherwise we have nothing to work with. And this is going to become more profound now following the, the pandemic because people, not, you, it, 10 years ago, people choose the job before they choose the organize, before they choose the city. So they would get a job and then go there like me and you have done. However, now 62% of people will choose the city before they choose the organization. And what that leads us to believe is that people are looking to move to places which are in alignment with their values. Because if you're top talent, you're getting offered 20 jobs a day at higher and higher rates. But is it ticking off your, your wish list? Is it giving you the projects that, that you want to work on, projects which contribute to a better world? Uh, projects, is it within an environment which is um, safe and holistic and um, you know, nurturous for your family? And is it in places where you can actually have a quite a, a nice balance in, in, in your work and your life? but also really work hard with smart people around you. So work-life balance isn't eight hours sleep, eight hours work, eight hours, um, you know, whatever else. It's actually, work-life balance for me is probably 16, 17 hours a day for two months and then clear off backpacking for a while. That's how I balance it. So the balance is not like day by day by day. It's about going all in, finishing that project, like, like me doing the book. The pandemic has been fantastic for me. I've had so little distraction from everyone sitting at home watching Netflix. It's awesome. I've just nailed it. I've, I've been able, whenever, when everyone else was buying, um, stocking up on toilet paper, I was stocking up on Amazon shares. They're never going to be so cheap. Hand sanitizer is never going to be more expensive. You know, and I always try and look, what's everyone else doing? And then do the opposite. Yeah, and you know, one thing uh, that's interesting for me also is uh, to kind of follow the the trends in terms of, you know, the last two, three years, like you, you said, everybody's talking about we don't have enough talent, how do we attract talent? And and obviously in situations like we are having nowadays, a lot of people get laid off, a lot of people leave companies. So it's a lot of movement of talent, which means there's also a lot of free talent out there. How how should companies take advantage of this opportunity and attract the A players? 
or rephrase differently, rephrase differently, what are the A players interested in? How do you attract the A players? Exactly. So there's no free, there's no A players roaming around ever. They are they're worth their weight in gold. One one A player is got a productivity rate of eight hundred percent of an average player. And as I said, we, there's so few A players around that when you've worked with one of them once, you will keep bringing them to your next team, and you'll give them inc increasing amounts. So what you do is you don't you don't find them. You must attract them, and you must provide an environment for these people to want to come and work. And generally, if you think, I always try and bring it back to their values. What what is their values? What is the values of the, if the modern young talent that's coming out? Because one of the reasons we have so few talent is that all these highly talented baby boomer generation are now coming to the end of their careers with their very specific skill sets that you've honed over a lifetime. So they're dropping out of the work system. And then we have new people coming in, but they're very generalized. Like business studies, for example, doesn't mean anything. You know, it's great that you've touched on a lot of things. So these people who are talents, what they're looking for is they're looking to work on projects which aligns with what what they're how they want the world to see in the future, and they will. There, there's four things that they have noticed. They have so we talk about the war on talent. The war on the war for talent is over because it was won by the talent. Talent now decides where they're going to work, the projects they're going to work on, who they're going to work with, and where they're going to do it. And so, therefore, there's your there's your four questions. What does our city offer to these people? What projects are we working on within our city? Because it's usually in clusters. If you love, if you're into gaming, there's certain gaming clusters spread ac across the planet. You know, really rockstar um, talent coming together, and these people want to be there because they are competitive and they are, and they do want to learn from the best and be driven on by the best and beat the best. So you must align with what hits those, and you have to provide an, an environment which makes them uh, and their skill set become, you know see growth and these it's not about so much about talent attractions but talent mobility they will want to live in stockholm for a few years or scandinavia they will want to probably do an american time and they also probably want to spend a couple of seasons in bali and it's and i i've what in my report that i'm doing for the city of stockholm and in my book i talk about don't don't worry about selling lifestyle you need to sell them life stage because what what appeals to me when i'm in my 20s is going to be different from when i'm in my 30s which is different when i'm in my 40s That that made me think, <laughs> but uh, but you know, one one thing that's really interesting from what you said, you mentioned it and emphasize on it is values, man, values, and and you know, from what I do and connecting and, and working with many companies and business leaders and helping them to create a better culture and better you know better teams, I can I can see at least in the last two three years. Um, Many companies have been struggling to find their purpose and their values. And like literally, I'll do a workshop with a you know 40, 50 people team. And I'll just, uh, you know, the, the workshop's going to be about purpose and values. And I I ask them, okay, what is what are the values of, the, of your company? Let's let's see if we silence, radio silence. You know what that is? Because a lot of companies don't have any values. They were set up by an entrepreneur who was hungry for money. And then when it started getting so big that he needed to bring in players to keep it growing. So eventually then he brought in a HR person and the HR person goes, 
we need to pretend that we've got values or because these people are not coming to us. And this is it. They're so, I mean, fair enough. That's, that's your story. But try now and get it into a way. If you want to keep tracking those people or if you want those sort of square root, to drop, if you want to maintain those, never mind add to them, then you're going to, you're going to have to come up with something which is actually based on substance. And we know entrepreneurs are not really substance-based people. They're problem-solving people. And then they move on to solving the next problem. But then they can leave the company for others to grow and develop for them as they move on to the next issue. But that is actually, the, I think there's a real core part in that. The people who take on the bigger organization. Because the organizations change every time they multiply by three or ten. So when you go, you're in a part organization with one or two people, that's okay. When you're now in an organization with three people, that's a new organization. When it gets to 10 people, that's another new organization. When it goes to 30, that's a different organization. And you have to change accordingly with, with the number of people in your team and, the, and the, the employees and talent in your team. Because not everyone's talent. I'm not talent. I know I'm not. But I, I, I see talents a lot. Not every day, but I, I come across it. I know a few talents. You know, so um, and and that's that's how you deal with those people. You have to provide a you have to provide a, an environment. Number one, that keeps them there, retention, because you grew based on somebody, and then secondly, attraction to make the team stronger. And you know, I'm just curious because you've been researching for your book right now. Like I don't know if there's any service, but can you can you see any sort of um, is there any correlation between companies that have very clearly defined purpose and values with the amount of A players they manage to to keep in the team? I don't think so. I, th I think we, if I'm being honest, I think we talk a lot of crap about this because a lot of us are trying to sell stuff into organizations that way. I think people like people like themselves. So people who are really... If, if you go into a team, I've actually been in a situation twice where I went into a team of people who didn't want to do any work at all. And, and if you go in there like a rock star and start working, you, they will try to do everything to pull you down. You know, no one's going to write that down, but that's the reality is. And at the same time, if you're going into a team of really hardworking people, driven, focused, wanting to shine bright, and, and you throw in someone who's a bit sloppy and, you know, not on the game, they'll not last long there either. So it's the people who make it, but it obviously comes from from a, from a leadership. And, and if you look at the people who have shown the brightest, like uh, Steve Jobs was an animal in a negative way, but he still had such a driven uh, desire to sort of make his, to remake his company after he got let back in again, the best in the world uh, across these products that they were making. Uh, and fair enough. You know, and, and people bought into that grind and that work ethic. But now you can see that since he has left the company again, just just to do a call on a smartphone that he has designed, you need to have like five connections and different, you know, they've lost it already. So it goes to show you just when that one visionary steps off and goes into a new project or leave or, you know, unfortunately passes away like he did, you can see, you can see the drop so quick. And we have a comment from another person you know. That's Scottish <laughs> legend. That man taught me everything I know. I worked with him at Grant Thornton from Scotland in Dublin. 
<laughs> and we also have Lisa, who's uh, uh, giving us. A <laughs> here's, a, here's a true story. So Lisa, Lisa's from China, and she, but she speaks Cantonese. She speaks Cantonese, and whenever yeah. I was before I came to Sweden, I was actually going to. Uh, I was doing a course called um, Mandarin with doing business in China with Mandarin. So it was a Chinese class. And actually, funnily enough, I came first in the class in, in, in Chinese, and Lisa came second, even though she is Chinese, and I will never let her live it down. <laughs> but she's the sweetest person. I love her. She's the sweetest person ever. I really appreciate her so much. Love it, Ben. Uh, do, you have a, do you have a time for one more last question? Of course. Beautiful. Um, so first of all, Frank Petri is uh, saying Scottish is harder to understand. Than Irish? Than Northern Irish? That's what he thinks. Yeah. Uh, good to see you, Frank. And uh, then Elina Ivanova would like to ask you to invest it or not to invest it in people with the risk to leave our company? Question mark. What, what do you mean? To invest it or not to invest it uh, in people? I, I try to understand the question, but I think she means to invest in people development and to invest yeah, in um, always, always. with the risk to leave our company. No, I, I think so. I think you have to give everything when you're in a when you're in a project. You must give the best of who you are to that project. Um, you really have to believe that even though you're in a let's say you're in an organization where people are not so motivated, you have to believe that by being the shining light, you can be a good example to others and show them that there is a, another way. And if you're in an organization where people are already on fire, then you want to really get yourself up to that speed and get into that culture of, of working at a level that's with them. But always invest because investment is education. And, and either, whether it's a positive or negative outcome, ultimately, you're coming out of it with a win because you're being educated in working with new types of people in new structures and new environments. And, and that's always, that's what life is about. I totally agree, man. I totally agree. I mean, obviously, you know, some companies now are kind of recalculating budgets and doing things. But I think, um, and in one of the first things that you cut off the budget is, you know, budgets on talent development and budgets on marketing innovation. And I think these are, you know, in the short term, you can do the numbers, but but you got to be really careful if you start cutting a lot of those things, because these are the things that will, you know, bring you forward and and in the future keep you in the place where you want to be first of all survive but then afterwards you know really kind of will create so much value also monetary uh, so that's um that's that's a, that's a very sensitive topic though having in mind you know the the current situation but um patrick why why do you think that what do you think because it's because i think because i think it's a to some extent there is a conflict of interest you know, many managers or executives, whatever, they need to do the numbers for the quarter or whatever, so they can, you know, have an okay place, which means we need to cut some budgets, we need to take some actions. Um, and then if we keep all the budget uh, for, for those things, or if we don't decrease them much, then, you know, so this this kind of uh, dynamics that I think come into play. Yeah. Well, uh, if People who are giving their best really mostly don't need to worry. And if they're everyone, everyone can tell themselves they're giving the best. But a lot of people, if they're really true with themselves, know that they could be doing more. And therefore, 
the people around us can see as well. Like whenever you're, we as football fans, we can see when a player's really on fire for he goes on a run for a, a month and then he takes his foot off the gas again. It's very obvious. It's as it's as obvious then when you're in the workplace as well, and it's as obvious if you look at yourself and how your lifestyle is and how you're turning up to the to, to work each day and with what attitude and what what intention. And it, so you don't have any job security. You never did, and we never will have. It's 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 great to have these things in um, in in legislation and stuff. But as soon as as soon as the crunch comes, they they clear out the dead wood and try and sort of get the you know get the ship balanced again and get it moving forward again to the way that they see it. And um, and one thing that is for sure is change always comes. So when we're having great times, we're we're due bad times. When we're having bad times, we're going to get good times again. So just write it out. So final question, uh, if we turn the things around, we are talking a lot about how to attract talent, but you know, how to stand out on the job market, like the opposite yeah. side right now, again, I don't know what's the exact numbers, but I think there's a huge layout around the world in the US in Europe. How do you stand out so you can be considered uh, and you know, find great job opportunities in this uh, pandemic times? I think the most important thing is storytelling. Tell your story. Tell and, and tell tell employers or tell teammates or tell people whose team you want to join how you can help them solve problems. Otherwise, why would you be there? Why would they bring you in? You know, this I I I have got this skill set. This is who I am. This is what my values are. This is where I want to be in the future. And this is how what who I am aligns with the project that you're building. And therefore, I want to help you solve these problems. And I expect to be monetarily rewarded as such for for helping you overcome these problems, um, because you we're all paid in direct proportion to the size of the problems that we solve. People don't want to hear that, but that's the truth, you know. Like the you think about coders at the moment, as we said, they're getting paid a lot of money because they're solving a problem which is so unique to the world. But you can't all do that. They're helping us create this app that we need. Sooner, but as they're doing that, there's someone else who's solving the problem that they have become. There's not enough of them guys. So there's someone else developing code that is self-perpetuating, that can create other code or, or drag and drop, you know, whatever, mostly. And then instead of having 100% done by humans, you can have 90% done by robots and, you know, differentiate it by bringing in the humans to sort of make it and take, take the core part of what connectivity is and then just add your slant on it. Yeah, that's that's such a good uh, way to kind of wrap this up, man. Just uh, maybe it's good time to reflect and to say, instead of why is it no job for me to think about how can I create more value and be so exceptional and indispensable that there's no way I'll be laid out or there's no way I I will not be considered and hired to, to you know to do what I want to do. Yeah. And being upfront, being upfront, you know, even I mean, even there's some people out there just. You know, show yourself, reach out, be proactive, show people what are the problems that you want to solve for them. Show them with your approach, the depth of, um, you know, your work, how you're approaching problems, how, what is your mindset? I think people focus a lot on skill set, but they forget that often people, people value mindset even more. Yeah, absolutely. I have always said that the people, you're better off having somebody who's, 
a great team player and who can you know row in behind the team and get involved and really give their best than someone who can divide things and present with a wrong mindset you know someone who's good but can create more disruption by being good is actually probably more of a hindrance than someone who comes in with a great mindset and really wants to be motivated because i some i believe sometimes motivation is is a better reward is a better skill set to bring to the table than intelligence because people who are motivated they find they find a way they might just get there slower but they will get there slower consistently over a longer time and they're more reliable i agree man i'll definitely always prefer somebody with growth mindset somebody positive somebody who's uh, asking for feedback wants to learn you can see that there's progress as opposed to someone that is way better in terms of experience and skill maybe but they have a very closed and fixed mindset yeah i think they they're like answers. uh anyway patrick we're getting close to this i can speak to you forever and we'll, we'll always find something else to talk about i can't wait to to give you a hug brother next time so, uh, we meet somewhere around the world but um patrick where can people find you tell me about your books tell me about your social handles um Where can we find you? So the first thing to you? do is go to, uh, if you want to hear the latest conversations I've been having, going to any podcast provider and tune in, search for Patrick Hamilton Walsh on Spotify, Apple, whatever. Uh, it's all free. Tune in and hear the latest conversations with great, talented people around the world. Stoyan will be there soon. Um, in addition, go to whatever book provider you buy. You can download all, all of my books. You can buy them paperback anywhere in the world bookdepository.com is doing free worldwide delivery and if you want to connect with me if you have any questions to follow up basically get me on instagram or at patrick hamilton walsh or get me on facebook for patrick hamilton walsh as well and i will be more than more than happy to connect or answer any further questions that you have and um, thank you for having me on Thank you guys for listening and if you're looking for somebody to help you step up your team performance and boost your productivity, make sure to check out stoyanyankov.com for online workshop solutions and programs designed to help you go through the current situation in a smoother manner. Stay safe and keep moving forward.